When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn. And we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy! Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime is now transcribed for radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as The Saint. Anything wrong, Captain? Nothing serious, Mr. Templer. Just coming down here for a check. Go on just as soon as we can. Oh, and uh, where is here? Headstone, New Mexico. Used to be a big silver mining town, but now it's just another little town, I guess. Although I did notice there's a carnival playing over on the edge of this emergency landing strip. Well, how long are we to enjoy the hospitality of Headstone? Oh, two or three hours. Long enough to see the town, have dinner if you like. We're sorry to delay, sir. Oh, it's all right, Captain. I'm seldom bored in a strange town. Well, you better go back and fasten your seatbelt, Mr. Templer. We're coming down now. Right. I'll see you later. Well, good evening, Saint. You know me? Yet I don't seem to recall your face. Harry Kelly, and you don't recall my face because we've never met, but I've seen many pictures of you, and so I recognized you immediately. Well, that's very flattering. Tell me, Mr. Kelly, how can I get into town? You can find a cab on the other side of the carnival. Planning on staying long? Not at all. Should I? On the contrary, I was just going to suggest that I doubt if Headstone would welcome the presence of the saint. Just a friendly remark, you understand. Oh, naturally. <laughs> And if I may be permitted a friendly question, why are you telling me this? Just an interest in the continued health of my fellow human. If you have any trouble in town, look me up. Anyone can tell you where to find me. I look, I look, the big show is just about to start. See, little Fatima, the girl who shakes and shivers like a bowl full of jelly. Only one dime, ten cents, the tenth part of a dollar. Hurry, 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 step right up. I read the past, the present, and the future. Learn your fortune, young man. I already know it, Grandmother. I'm destined to meet a tall, dark, and beautiful woman. I'll settle for nothing less. I see strange lines on your face, young man. Huh? I will tell your fortune without charge. Give me your hand. I see danger. Beware of a blonde young woman. She will bring you death. They're worse ways of dying, Grandmother. I see danger, much danger, for one with a halo about his head. Blood and death. Unless he travels, I see... <laughs> I think I'm beginning to get the idea. You might tell your um, crystal ball that I'm beginning to be interested. Goodbye, Grandmother, and may the saints bless you. Taxi, mister? Oh, thank you. Uh, say, do you suppose you can drive me somewhere that serves a good dinner? <laughs> sure. The Silver Dollar Hotel. Oh, fine. <laughs> you know, I was just sitting there communing with nature about how many guys there are who blow their wad to watch some dame do a hula 
Harper won't spend a dime on a hack. Do I detect a touch of Brooklyn? How could you miss? <laughs> That's me, chum. Ziggy from Flatbush. I used to drive a hack in Brooklyn. Now I own the only hack in Headstone. It's light, huh? You know, I ain't seen a Brooklyn bridge for ten years since I come out here for my health. Like I always say, it's a smart man who knows when it's healthy to get out of town. Meaning what? Does everything have to mean something? <laughs> Me, I mind my own business, I stay healthy. That's why I'm living in Headstone instead of under one. I see. But if you didn't mind your own business, I suppose you'd give me some advice about leaving Headstone. Is that it? No, no, no advice, Mac. That's part of minding my own business. Headstone is a great place for strangers to visit. If they paid up their insurance. Here you are, waiter. Very nice dinner. My check, please. No, no, no. Thank you. Keep the change. Hello. Well, well, this is a surprising hotel. First a beautiful dinner, and then an even more beautiful blonde. May I sit down? Oh, by all means, Miss... Um... Uh, Betty Connolly. You're Simon Templer? Mm, I should have worn my dark glasses. But now that the truth is out... <laughs> You might as well call me Simon. All right, Simon. Now, how did you know who I am? Now, don't tell me that you were just passing and recognized me. Well, Ziggy told me that you were here. He owns and drives the taxi here uh, in Headstone. I know I shouldn't look a gift blonde in the hair, but why did Ziggy tell you I was in here? Well, Ziggy knows that I need help, and he thought, well, that is, since you're the saint, you might help me. Well, I have been known to help beautiful blondes on occasion. <laughs> But tell me why you should need help, Betty. Someone's been trying to kill me. Oh, there should be a law against that. Are you sure? I've been shot at twice. And, and everybody here has been very unfriendly, except Ziggy and a man named Harry Kelly. Huh. I've noticed the unfriendliness in this town. But being unfriendly towards you is obviously an indication of insanity. Oh, please don't joke about it. I'm, I'm frightened. All right, my dear. Now tell me about it. Well, uh, my father was known as Silver Slim Connolly. He lived here for years, but he sent me east to school when I was very young, and I didn't come back here until recently. My father died about a month ago. Oh, I'm sorry. He was broke, and all he left me was his old silver mine. It, he called it the Betty Mine, after me. And I take it somebody wants the mine. No, no, the mine is completely worthless. There hasn't been any silver in it for years. But, my dear, you were shot at twice. Have you any idea who did the shooting? No, but it might be the same man who told me to get out of town. Oh, who? Mike McCarthy. Ziggy says he's an eastern gangster who's been living out here for several months. Will you help me, Mr. Temp... Simon? Well, I've never been able to say no to a pretty girl. You mentioned a man named Harry Kelly before. Just who is he? He knew my father. He's been very friendly to me. Although he thought I ought to leave town, too. I've met Mr. Kelly, and he intrigues me very much. I, um, I think we'll go see him. All right. Oh, uh, just a minute. Hmm? There was some red dust on your coat. Oh, thank you. Ziggy apparently doesn't get enough passengers to keep his cab dusted. <laughs> uh, did you say Ziggy was parked outside in his chariot? Mm -hmm. He was when I came in. Oh, there he is. Yes, looking exactly as if he were back in Brooklyn. Hey, Ziggy! Oh, so she found you, huh? Uh, thanks to your bird-dogging, which I must admit in this case has done much to overcome any natural prejudice against cab drivers that I might have. Uh, say, do you know where Harry Kelly lives? Sure. And let's go, then. Hmm? Hey, don't you ever clean out this hack? What's all this dust? Well, who knows? Maybe it was that redhead that hired me yesterday. So she had dandruff. Ziggy, you missed your calling. You're as funny as an undertaker. Well, now, Ziggy, I don't suppose you'd care to tell me why you warned me to get out of Headstone. <laughs> Got me all wrong, Saint. I wasn't warning you. I was just talking about myself. And I don't suppose you'd care to tell me why somebody took pot shots at Miss Connolly here and told her to get out of town, too. Me, I don't know nothing. Like I was telling you, Saint, I mind my own business. Maybe you stay ignorant that way, but it's healthier, and I like it like that. Well, in that case, why did you send Miss Connolly in to see me? Well, like you can see, she's a pretty little pigeon. She needs to know some guy will help her. Now, it ain't no secret that the saint goes around mixing in other people's business, so 
I tell her to see you. And who told you I was the thing? I got eyes in my head, ain't I? Like I said, I used to hack in Brooklyn. Huh? I got around. Uh, what about this Mike McCarthy? Strictly smart money, thing. Huh? A lot of guys have crossed his path once. If you get what I mean. What about uh, Harry Kelly? Eh, local stuff. A nice schmo, but no more. <laughs> You're doing all right for a guy that doesn't know anything. <laughs> you got me wrong, pal. Ziggy, he looks people over, but he don't see nothing except one guy is tough, another guy is a schmo, and maybe another guy is too nosy. I really don't think we should try to involve Ziggy, Simon. He's been very nice as it is. Yeah, she's got something, pal. I ain't really equipped for it, because uh, the way you're headed, uh, only a saint could feel at home. Saint, Kelly lives on the first floor in the room. Oh, thanks. Uh, wait for us, Diggy. We've got a couple of other calls to make after this. Don't worry, I'll wait. If you get in any trouble, just yell. Then I'll drive over and tell the sheriff I heard somebody yell for help. Oh, thanks, pal. Come on, Betty. Well, I hope our friend is in and that he talks. Yes. Strange. Harry telling you to come and see him if you have any trouble. If he had any connection with me, then why hasn't he said something to me? Well, it sounded to me like a cautious man. Maybe he did know something, but didn't want to say anything unless he felt sure something was going to be done. Well, we'll soon know. Yes, who is it? Simon Templer. Oh, the saint. Just a minute. Those shots were in that room. This is no time for conversation, darling. We're going in. Oh, but... Like this. Kelly. Uh Oh, Simon... Kelly. Uh, Kelly, this is Simon Templer. Templer. Saint? Yes, Kelly, the saint. Who shot you? The window. The saint. The mine. Kelly. Well, Betty, he isn't going to tell us anything now. Killer did a very thorough job. Mm, window open. Must have shot from here. There's a shell on the fireplace. But what was he saying? Sounded like... like spin. <laughs> Come on, Betty. We're going to spread a little saintliness. And I think I know where to begin. Ziggy, didn't you hear anything? Well, I noticed some noise, but like I told you... I know. You mind your own business. Uh, Are we going to the sheriff's side? No, not yet. Ziggy, who's the estayer in this town? Old man Matthews. The office is closed now, but he lives right ahead there. That that big white house. Okay, stop there. But Simon... I'd like to satisfy a little curiosity about that mine of yours. I'll be right back. You stay in here, Betty. What do you want? Mr. Matthews. Who else should be here? It's my house, ain't it? What do you want? Uh, my name is Simon Templer. I wanted to ask you if you know the Connolly Silver Mine. I know every mine within 200 miles of here, young fella. Hey, ain't that Betty Connolly sitting up there in that taxi? Yes. Then why can't she tell you about the mine? She owns it. Well, she has told me, but I just wanted to check about the possibility of a mistake. How much silver would you say there was in the Connolly Mine? About enough to put in your eye and still leave room for your finger. Couldn't there be a hidden vein in it? Nope. There ain't been enough silver around here to make a dime for years and years. Could there be anything else of value in it? Mud and water, if you call that valuable. You sure? Of course I'm sure. Young fella, I've been here man and boy for 70 years, and I ain't got no time to stand around answering darn fool questions. Goodbye. Well, goodbye. Betty, you may be right. Old man Matthew says the mine is worthless, too. So, Ziggy, take us to see Mike McCarthy. Are you sure you want to go there, say? If I was you, I'd get on that plane. It's leaving pretty soon. No, Ziggy, I've decided not to leave Headstone just yet. Later, you can drive me over to Albuquerque, and I'll take the chief the rest of the way. Okay, Chum, it's your funeral. Mm-hmm. 
Please be careful. Don't you worry, Betty. The Halo Wearers Benevolent Association would be very upset if anything happened to me. I'll be right out. I'm looking for Mike McCarthy. Well, you found him. Hmm, it's my Boy Scout training. It never fails. My name is Simon Templer. The Saint? I've been known by that name. So what? That's a very interesting question. I must try to think of an answer sometime. Meanwhile, I thought you might like to know that I heartily disapprove of your telling a certain Miss Betty Connolly that she ought to leave town. What's a girl to you? That's my business. I could make it mine. And if I do, your halo's going to slip down and start choking you. Hmm, I thought bullets were more in your line. Meaning what? Meaning the shots fired at Miss Connolly and a little gunning job only a few minutes ago. I didn't do any gunning. But I'm liable to if you don't beat it. You sound so sure of yourself, Michael. That's because I got more in my hand than an itching palm. Hmm, that's a very pretty gun, Mike. <laughs> but I'm very much afraid that nothing will satisfy my curiosity short of knowing why you want to get Miss Connolly out of town. I got answers for nosy guys. Six of them. I just stand right there. Stay away from that desk, Saint. Or Don't I'm... worry, Mike. I have no interest in the desk at all. But I do have an interest in Miss Connolly. And now, Michael, I'll bid you adieu. Simon? Oh, not much, I'm afraid. The conversation was just getting interesting when Mike had a sudden attack of dropsy. That's funny. I never heard of him being sick. Oh, that's because you mind your own business, Ziggy, like you told me. Betty, where is that silver mine of yours? About two miles out of town. Is there any place in town where we can rent a car? Well, why, I have a car. Why? I feel a prospecting urge coming over me. Ziggy, take us to Miss Connolly's car, and then we can dispense with your valuable service. What's wrong with my care? Nothing, Ziggy. It's just that I don't like people looking over my shoulder. Especially when I visit a lonely mine in the company of a beautiful girl. Well, here's the Betty Mine. Although I don't know why you want to see it. Frankly, I don't know either. As long as I'm here, I might as well take the 40-cent tour. Certainly, sir. Right this way. This old cable car goes down into the mine. Mm. All we have to do is stand on the platform and pull the cable. It works with balanced weight. Clever, these 49ers. How far down? <laughs> on the 40-cent tour, we give the exact distance. 354 feet, 6 inches. Thank you. And uh, thank you for having electric lights in a mine that hasn't been worked for years. Oh, the mine has its own battery. See? Here's a bulb on the car. Shall we go down? What are we waiting for? Let's go. Maybe the lights will go out. Just hold it like that. I've been waiting for you two. Well, Michael McCarthy, I was wondering if we were going to have your company. And this time, wise guy, don't try anything. Don't tell me, Michael, that you're going prospecting with us. I'm riding down with you, but I'm coming back alone. Start the car down, Saint, but don't try no tricks. You have a suspicious mind, Mike. Well... Here we go. Call out your floors, please. Mezzanine, ladies' underwear, galoshes, and accessories. You'll be singing a different tune pretty soon, Saint. You both had your chance to leave town your way. Now you're going to leave my way. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, don't be, Betty. This is my first ride on an open cable car. And it'll be your last. I wouldn't be too sure. Unless that cable breaks before we get to the bottom. Hey, what are you talking about? Sucker! <laughs> Knocked you off the platform, too. It was the padded shoulders in my coat. I I felt them hit the side. Oh, look at your shoulders. They're covered with dirt from uh, the sides of the shaft. Yeah. Huh. It's red dirt. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, we can go back up, Betty. Mike doesn't need our help, and I don't need anybody to answer questions anymore.
I'll never understand you. Why did you look at the dirt on your coat and say you didn't need any more questions? Because that dirt was red sulfide, Betty. And it explains why Mike was so anxious to run you out of town. Well, I don't see how. Red sulfide is used in paint, but that doesn't make it valuable. Red sulfide is also cinnabar ore, from which we get mercury, and that is pretty valuable. Evidently, your mine is rich in cinnabar, so it's worth a lot of money, Betty. Oh, then that was what Kelly was trying to tell us when he said sin. Yes, he was trying to say cinnabar. How can I ever thank you, Simon? Well, I I have a couple of ideas on the subject. But now people would say I was chasing you for your money. So, I guess you can just see me off on the train. We'll stop in town and have Ziggy drive us to Albuquerque. Oh, but I'll drive you. Now, I insist on taking a cab. I don't want you coming back alone. I may want to change my mind about uh, fortune hunting. said, Saint, I'm glad to see you leaving. This town is just funny about strangers, but I'd you ought to take Miss Connolly with you. Oh, but she doesn't have to go now, Ziggy, and besides, she's rich. She's what? Yes, Ziggy, we found out that Dad's mine is valuable after all. You you mean you found silver in it? No, mercury. Oh, the stuff they put in thermometers? That's the stuff, Ziggy, but it's used for a lot of other things, particularly in wartime, and it's worth a lot of money. Well, what do you know? So that's why Mike was trying to make you leave. That's it. Well, did you stop and tell the sheriff? We didn't have time, but I'll see him when we go back. Oh, that's pretty nice for you, ain't it, buddy? Oh, here we are. Just in time, too. The chief's in already. Right. Very nice timing, Biggie. Thanks, Betty, for keeping my forced visit to Headstone from being dull. Oh, Simon, I... Well, why don't you stay in Headstone? I won't know how to run the mine or, or what to do with the money or, or anything. <laughs> You'll learn, Betty. You know what to do when you get back to town? Yes, but... Well, will the sheriff believe me? I mean, about Mike McCarthy killing Harry Kelly. I don't think he will, since Mike didn't kill Kelly. Oh, but Kelly was shot with an automatic. He ejected a shell on the fireplace, remember? But Mike McCarthy carried a revolver. You saw it. Yes, but will the sheriff... Oh, be- the sheriff will believe when you show him that the gun that killed Kelly is in Ziggy's pocket. What? What are you talking about? You knew about the cinnabar ore in the mine. You carried some of it away to be tested in your cab. And there was red dust in it, which you tried to explain with a corny gag. You're crazy. Harry Kelly had an idea what was going on, so you slipped around to the back while we were at the front door and killed him. All right, wise guy, you're so smart. What about Mike? Mike was working for you. But, but Simon, Ziggy told me that you were in town. Sure, he couldn't be sure that I wasn't here to break up his little scheme, so the smartest thing to do was to get us together so he could watch both of us. <laughs> he thought I would use his cab, as I did, and it would be easy. But he slipped up when he sent Mike out to the mine ahead of us. Ziggy was the only one who knew where we were going. Okay, pal, you ask for it. This time, sweetheart! <laughs> Like you said, pal, you should have followed your own advice about minding your own business. Well, he's all yours, Betty. The gun that killed Kelly is now on the seat beside him. All you have to do is turn the body and the gun over to the sheriff, and from there on in, he'll mind Ziggy's business for him. But, Simon... Don't worry, Betty. I'll stop back someday to make sure that Venus is in conjunction with Mercury. You have just heard another adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. Now, here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, how many times there have been men just like Ziggy, led into crime by insatiable greed, forgetting the simplest truth so aptly phrased by John Dryden, Murder may pass unpunished for a time, but tardy justice will overtake the crime. This is Vincent Price extending a personal invitation to all of you to join us again next week at this same time for another adventure of The Saint. Good night. Tonight's script of The Saint was written by Michael Cramoy. Our cast included Harry Bartell, Barney Phillips, Colleen Collins, Fred Howard, and Tony Barrett. The music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman. The Saint is a James L. Safier Agency production and was transcribed and directed by Thomas A. McAvity. 
Don't forget that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer, Merrill Ross. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, unknown to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime is now transcribed for radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as The Saint. Hey, what's going on here? This is my car here. Uh, oh. No, no, no. Stop hey. it. Hey, cut it out. Stop it. What's the idea? Now let that man alone. Look, you keep out of this, buddy, or I'll... Well, it ain't the same. <laughs> it's euphonic, but slightly ungrammatical, Mac. Now, what's the disturbance? Uh, they drew up alongside of my car. Him and the other fella, they said, get out. We're taking your car. Why, Mac wouldn't do a thing like that, now would you, Mac? Now. Of course not. The old man's nuts. What Mac would do if he coveted his neighbor's jalopy is slug him with a piece of lead pipe and drive off. Yeah, so good night. I get business. Now, wait, Mac. You could satisfy my curiosity a little. Why should you want to steal this gentleman's old automobile when you've got nicer, newer ones to choose from? Yes, uh, ask him, mister. Ask him. Yeah, ask me, Saint. Go ahead. I'm going to satisfy a little curiosity of my own. I didn't think you had any, Mac. <laughs> what shape does it take? I always wondered how you'd look dead. Good night, all. Good night, man. Be seeing you. You, you let him go. Yes, he convinced me that I should for now. There's nothing like a thirty-two in the pocket of a known thug for winning an argument. Did you uh, say there was another fellow with him? Uh, yes, uh, run off when he heard you coming. It was the same fellow tried to buy my car yesterday. Someone tried to buy this <laughs> this car. Oh, sure. This fellow tried to buy it. And there was a woman made an offer, too. Did you mean you actually refused? I ain't selling until I find out why they want to buy it so bad. This fellow who tried to buy the car, do you know his name? No, he he looked like a gentleman until... Until you found him consorting with felonous intent with our just-departed friend, eh? <laughs> Tell me, was he uh, well-dressed, an annoying little mustache placed just over the sneer he wears for a mouth? Well, well yes. Say, how did you... That's easy. Our friend Mac does piecework for him. Fancy Dan Turner is his current alias. But I see you don't keep up with such things. You're going to tell the police? Later, perhaps, when there's something to tell them. Right now, I've got a great thirst that needs quenching. A thirst for knowledge. Huh? Yeah, what's your name and where do you live? Uh, Collins. Uh, 302 East 8th Street. Mm -hmm. Now, put your car in cold storage, old timer, and take care of yourself. Something tells me this is Rat's Night Out. Hmm. Hello, Smitty. Back making book, I see. You got the wrong joint, Saint. Take a look around. I run a pool room. You interested in a horse? No, no, a man. Well, like I said, Saint, you got the wrong joint. His name's Mac. He hangs out here. Now, where is he? In the back room? 
I'm the three monkeys, Saint. Deep, dumb, and blind. The only Mac I know is a truck. Oh, then if you don't mind, I'd like to look in your back room and see if he's parked there. I mind. But you won't even know, Smitty. You're deep, dumb, and blind. Oh, have a heart, Saint. I ain't got no back room. Besides, last time you dropped in my place, a, a lot of my customers started patronizing elsewhere. Including you, Smitty, remember? I've only been back from the gray place a week, and I ain't forgetting it. Oh, come on, Saint. Be a good guy. Beat it, huh? No, no, Smitty. Let him stay a while. Hello, Mac. I was hoping you were smart enough to go home and get some sleep. How could I sleep with you out roaming the streets, Mac? You know how I worry. Yeah, yeah. Too much. What does he want, Smitty? You. Why, Saint? I want to talk with Fancy Dan Turner. What about... Now, let's not be coy, Mac. It doesn't become you. I want to ask Turner why he's trying to steal a jalopy from an old man. Well, what do you know? I got a surprise for you, Saint. I'll take it to him. The boys say you're looking for me, Saint. Mm, the boys are right. So you found me. So? I understand you're interested in a certain old car. So what? Probably the smiling Irishman is, too. A broken-down 1929 sedan seems a little slow for a fast man like you, Fancy Dan. Well, maybe I like to go slow enough to read the billboards when I drive. What's it to you, Saint? That depends on what it is to you, Turner. What's on the fire? You are. There's a handle with care sign on this deal, and I don't want just anybody cutting in. You're a fouler-upper. You've been stepping high and fancy-free too long, Turner. You're beginning to irritate me. The feeling's likewise, Saint. Only I got more than fingers in my fist and you haven't. Hmm, that's a nice gun you're so bravely wearing, Turner. It must be a pretty big part to change a small-time con artist like you into a fire-breathing gunman. Big potatoes, huh? Yeah, plenty big, Saint. So big I wouldn't hesitate to shoot at the slightest move. Am I clear? You couldn't be clearer if you were a day ordered by the Chamber of Commerce. Good. Now, it ain't a palace, Saint. It's just the back room of a pool parlor. But please stay and be my guest. Oh, very well. For a little while, anyway. Where are the boys? Out. And they're wasting their time. Collins won't sell his old wreck. Some old men are stubborn. And Collins seems like a hard man to intimidate. Well, that all depends on who's doing the intimidating, Saint. Now, Max is a chowderhead, and Smitty's even worse, but put the two boys together, and you'll get a job of work done. Dan, I've adopted old man Collins as a friend. Ah, oh, how big are you? Yes. You know how I feel about people who push other people around, Turner? Especially when the guy getting the shoving is a friend. You know, if I had a glass of beer, I'd cry into it. Sit back and relax, Saint. The boys will be back with what they want after soon enough, and maybe then I'll let you go home. You mean they're coming back with the car? Well, maybe not the whole car. Sit back and relax. Hey, relax. Hey, 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 what are you doing? Sitting back with my chair to the wall, Turner. You want me to relax, don't you? Yeah, I... Hey, let go of that cue stick. <laughs> I... As my old grandmother used to say, Turner, there's nothing as relaxing as a game of pool. <laughs> Particularly with a hoodlum's head as the cue ball. Collins, Collins, open up. You, uh, you wouldn't be from the police now, would you? No, no, I'm no more a policeman than you are, old man Collins. <laughs> Come in and be welcome, Dad. Oh. Where's Collins? The old man, he's here. Where? Behind the sofa. But if you have a mind to look at him, make it a quick look. Dead? Very. How? Every way. Beaten, stabbed, and tortured. Maybe even shot, for all I know. Yes, and for all I know, maybe you've got a gun with an empty chamber, for all I know. Bless me, no. Me business doesn't allow it. <laughs> Just what sort of business are you in, Irish? The name's O'Brien. Ah. When a job is pulled and the police go after the boys who pull it, I make an end run and go after the swag. Or at least part of it. Oh, I see. Uh, what's the swag here? Collins' wallet? Not unless there's 400 grand in it. 400? Oh, no, I'm afraid you'll find the old man a few cents short. Who killed him? Not I. How do I know? You don't. You're right. What brought you here? 
Why, I'm here about the old car, of course. You want to buy it? Certainly, don't you? Say, maybe you're not being cute. Maybe you really don't know about the... About what? Well, now, <laughs> I'm greatly relieved. When I first saw you come through that door, I said to myself, O'Brien, oh, here comes some more competition. But I see you're not. I'm relieved, laddie. <laughs> greatly relieved. Turner is competition enough, eh? Yes, but Turner and his ugly ducklings are nothing compared to... Who? In time. I got here just a minute before you, laddie. The old man was dead when I arrived. Beyond that, I know nothing. Get down. O'Brien! O'Brien! Competition. Getting worse. All the time. Look, I'll call the doctor. No, no, no. Uh, thanks, laddie. Lay, lay off this frolic. He'll get you next. You're gonna die, mister. You're gonna... Uh, O'Brien, the old man's car, what... Well, I guess I'll have to try another angle. This one's pretty dead. <laughs> Mr. Ritchie, as you requested, Mr. Templer. He'll be right down. Oh, thank you. I hope the fire isn't too serious, sir. Well, it's serious enough to awaken Mr. Ritchie. Oh, oh, here he is now, sir. Well, well, which plant is the fire in? Who's responsible? How big is the damage? Oh, the fire isn't in any plant, Mr. Ritchie. What's that, then? Then, then where? It's where? inside of me. I'm burning up, and I need your help. How dare you sneak your way in here at 3 o'clock in the morning by telling me there's a fire? Look here, who are you? Simon Templer. Oh, oh yes, the saint. Hmm. I've heard of you. If you have business with me, Mr. Templer, I suggest you phone my secretary for an appointment. Meanwhile, there's no subject on earth can keep me from going back to bed. Not even the subject of $400,000, Mr. Ritchie? What do you know about it? Nothing other than that it was stolen from you, Mr. Ritchie. That happened seven years ago. The criminal, John Quayley, was caught, tried, and convicted. Now, if you'll pardon me... Quayley worked for you, I believe. He was my head accountant. And the money was never found? No. Quayley drew 20 years in the penitentiary. He never revealed where the money was hidden... Until the day he died. Died? Yes. Two weeks ago in prison. And uh, now, Mr. Templer, if you don't mind, I need my rest. I won't detain you much longer, Mr. Ritchie. Just one or two more questions. Well? Uh, Did Quayley have a wife? Yes, he did. If he knew he were dying in prison, it's quite possible he made an attempt to get word to her, to tell her where the money was hidden. He may have made the attempt, but he couldn't possibly have succeeded. He was too closely watched. After all, $400,000 is a lot of money. A lot of money. Yes, you could almost buy a second-hand car with it. If I hadn't been fully covered by insurance, my firm would have gone under in the face of a loss that large. And uh, now, Mr. Templer, if I might ask a question... Certainly. Why this sudden urgency, this three o'clock in the morning business? An old man was tortured to death. Then a fellow named O'Brien, who came calling on the old man, was shot to death. But, but... but Before he was killed, O'Brien told me he was tracking down $400,000 that had been stolen. Oh, I see. Yeah, and some checking back over how many people have ever had that amount stolen from them. Led you to me? Yes. I wonder what I've led you to, Mr. Templer? I wonder, Mr. Ritchie. I wonder. Mrs. Quayley? What do you want? Several things, Mrs. Quayley. Like what? A murderer. You've got the wrong apartment, mister. An old automobile. No sale. Anything else? Maybe you'll buy this, Mrs. Quayley. Collins was murdered a little while ago. Collins? Hmm. Oh, the old man. Why? Someone wanted his car. Someone who evidently couldn't wait any longer for the newer models. So? So I saw Collins' car in your garage, Mrs. Quayley. Maybe you better come in after all, mister. But come in careful. Careful enough? Keep those hands high. I don't like you, mister. You're nailing together a frame and you're trying to put my picture into it. Colin sold me that car. When? Tonight. I could have bought a Cadillac for cheaper, mister, but I wasn't in any position to haggle. Yes, I know. What do you know? That's what I want to find out. I know that Colin's car is a car is worth about $20, but if something else it's worth in the neighborhood of $400,000. You know that's an awfully nice neighborhood. Nice and exclusive. Chiselers aren't invited to move in. Mm, I've been gathering that impression all evening. Well, what if we're here? 
You name it. And acetylene torch, welder's mask, a few chisels, a hammer, steel wire. <laughs> Either you've gone to work for Henry Kaiser or the hand that customarily rocks the cradle is going in for rocking a safe. I had to go into a hardware store to make a phone call, and I just couldn't leave without buying a few things. How fortunate you didn't make your call in an establishment that sells steamrollers. Yeah, I see you have a set of license plates. You see too much. From Collins Jalopy, aren't they? These license plates. <laughs> so that's how Quayley smuggled out his message. You're getting awfully close to a bullet in your head, mister. Give me those plates. Shh, there's someone at the door. Stay where you are. I'll see you what it is. Better not take the license plates with you. Yes? Oh! Mrs. Quayley. Oh. Mrs. The devil. The devil. He... He got the plates. Yes. Yes, he got them. Don't let him. Oh, catch him there. Where? Where? Where Johnny worked. Shaft. Top. Before six. Before... Ah. Mrs. Quayley. Collins, O'Brien, and now... Now I have three reasons for wanting to meet a certain party. Taxi! Hey, hey, taxi, taxi! They, uh, don't stop sometimes when it's so early in the morning, Saint, because they're on the way back to the garage. Well, what brings you out so early, Mac? Looking for a drunk to roll? Just looking for you, Saint, just looking for you. See here what I got in my hand? Oh, there goes that coy streak in you again, Mac. All right, so it's a gun. Well, what does it want me to do? Come, go, turn handsprings, quote Shelley, play the bassoon? You have to speak for it, Mac. Very funny. Look out, it shouldn't speak for itself, Saint. I and the gun, one you should get in that there car. Yeah, you have a most persuasive way of offering a fellow a lift, Mac. Yeah, yeah, a lift. Right now, it's a lift. Later on, it may grow into a ride. <laughs> Come on. Uh, where are we going, Mac? Back to our little gray home in the rear of the pool room, Saint. Fancy Dan Turner wants he should thank you for showing him a new trick. Oh, it really isn't necessary. He feels like it is, Saint. He feels like it is. Got a couple of tricks he wants to show you. Sounds like fun. Oh, on into the car, Jim. Turner's waiting. He's got very little patience. Nice to have you back with us, Saint. I missed you. <laughs> From the looks of that bandage on your skull, Turner, I'll bet you wished I'd missed you. Not now, I don't, Saint. It's a nice feeling having you here, knowing that I owe you something. I pay my debts, Saint. I pay off. Yes, I know. O'Brien was paid off. So was Mrs. Quayley. Paid off with lead checks. They're dead? Oh, now save that innocent expression for the jury, Turner. You'll need everything you've got. Well... When were they killed, Saint? Okay, I'll stooge for you. They were killed an hour or two after I so abruptly left you before. Oh, well, I'll have to find another pigeon, Saint. My alibi's fat. How fat, Turner? City Hospital. Having remember the Saint embroidered where a Q-stick hit me. And Smitty and Mac were there, too, to see me through it. Hospitals have records, Saint. We're clean. We're clean. Huh. Then you've got a competitor you don't know about, Turner. Yeah, looks that way. For a job that was supposed to be as simple as this one, I got too many competitors. I wonder how come. Who fingered the job for you, Turner? Who told you Quayley got word out to his wife about where the money was? I got nothing for you, Saint. Smitty, wasn't it? Smitty just finished a stretch up the creek. My guess is he ran into Quayley, maybe shared a cell with him. No. It was in the jail hospital they met. Smitty worked there. Quayley was dying off his nut. Smitty made him talk. Yeah. And Smitty, not being mentally suited for solo work, spilled the pitch to you, Turner, for a price, of course, for money on the line. Yeah. Ten G's to buy in on a 400,000 job. But what are you driving at? What are you picking Smitty's bones for? I was just wondering, Turner, how much O'Brien paid Smitty for his slice of this exclusive information and how much your other competitors shelled out. The one who happily goes around killing people. What do you mean? If you ask me, Turner, your pal Smitty is the sort of rat that even rats on rats. He sold Quayley's secret three times that we know of. Hey, 
Thanks for handicapping it for me, Saint. Well, if you're really grateful, Turner, you can return the favor by telling me uh, what time is it. It's uh, 5.15 in the morning, Saint, but you ain't going nowhere. I have a date to keep before 6, Turner, with your competitor. Yes, yeah, Saint, that's what you think. Maybe not, Turner. What do you say we play a little pool while we're waiting for the boys? Get away from that pool table. I ain't playing any games with you, Saint. Well, maybe pool was the wrong game. How about a game of pitch and catch? What? Yeah, I pitch like this. Ow! And you catch it like that. Hate to leave you all by yourself there in the side pocket, but like I said, I have a date to keep. Well, Mr. Ritchie, get enough sleep despite my interruption? <laughs> I wasn't really asleep when you called on me, Mr. Templer. I know, Mr. Ritchie. Your hair was a little too carefully combed for a man who's been suddenly awakened and told he's having a fire. You're very clever, Mr. Templer. But not clever enough to catch you before you committed three murders. So you're a Smitty's silent partner, huh? See what low company's gotten you into, Ritchie? Yes, I see. $400,000 buried in the siding of this elevator shaft. And with the help of this acetylene torch, it'll be all mine. A very ingenious fellow, Quayley. And to think the money never left this building. Hmm. The place where Johnny worked. Yes, he was ingenious. It was very smart of him to use his prison job making automobile license plates as a means of smuggling out the information to his wife. How did he do it, Richie? Very simple, Templar. There's an extra piece of thin metal in this particular plate, forming a sort of pocket. And inside the pocket, a note on cigarette paper telling poor Mrs. Quayley how to get the money. Of course, once he managed to tell her the number of the license plate, well, the rest was easy, wasn't it? Yes. All poor Mrs. Quayley had to do was ask the motor vehicle bureau to whom the plate was assigned. Mr. Collins, in this instance. Poor old fellow. <sighs> Mr. Temple, would you mind joining me here in the shop, please? Hmm? Yes, right on top of the elevator. I'd like to keep an eye on you while I finish burning out this metal partition. You see, I've only until six o'clock when this elevator is switched on downstairs. Oh, well, I... I... Come, come, in the shop, please. Well, really, I, I... I have a gun, Mr. Templer. Oh, well, that makes it official, then. There we are. Careful, Mr. Templer. I wouldn't want anything to happen to you. Anything accidental, that is. You know, it's funny. I've known you such a short time, and I have exactly the same sentiments towards you. I've never been astride the top of an elevator before, Richie. And we're right near the top of the shaft. Yes. <laughs> I don't mean to worry you, Templar, but when this elevator power turns on in a few minutes, it will rise to the top before it descends. How is your treasure hunt coming, Richie? Almost finished. One last strip of metal to cut away, and the partition will come off. Then we'll decide your fate, Mr. Templar. Your future. Here goes. A last blow. It's there. It's there. I see it. $400,000 in currency, Templar. Think of it. Think of it. You think of it, Richie, and also think of how much blood was spilled on it. Preaching, Templar? You? I never thought... What's that? The elevator, Richie. Maybe it came to work a little early today. My, my money! My money! Come on, Richie. Come on, get off. No, no, there's still some money left here. I want it. I want it all. All! Come on, we've got to get off. Jump, Richie, jump. No, no, my money. I must save the money. Richie, you fool. All right, I got it. I... Ah! Yes, Richie. You saved your money, and you saved the state some money, too. I'm sure you didn't plan on saving the cost of your execution. You have been listening to another adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. And now, here is our star, Vincent Price. These immortal words of Ovid, translated from the Latin, express quite well indeed the justice of our Mr. Ritchie's fate. Nor is there any juster law than that the contrivers of death should perish by their own contrivances. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at this same time for another exciting adventure of The Saint. Good night.
Tonight's script of The Saint was written by Michael Cramoy. Our cast included Laureen Tuttle, Barney Phillips, Tony Barrett, Fred Howard, and Dan O'Herlihy. The music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman. The Saint is a James L. Sapir production and was transcribed and directed by Thomas A. McAbedy. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer, Merrill Ross. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Grime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews, so when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.